Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Opportunity Knocks. I am your host, Dean Miller, and it is, as always, it is my pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you so much for your attention, for your patience, for all the kind feedback we've gotten, and for all you trolls out there, keep up the good work. We love that as well. We are here today. Uh, this is going to be an interesting conversation because we're going to go down a couple different paths, I think, and we may stir a few things up. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, when people ask, how do we come up with our guests? How do we get people to come on and join us? We're always looking for people who have a story to tell. We're looking for people who are creative, who are open-minded entrepreneurs, who are willing and humble enough to talk about their success, but proud enough to, to share their, their failures as well, or vice versa, however you want to put it. See, this is the Arthur, like I was telling you before, I trip over my own tongue all the time. You don't worry about this stuff. We have in our studio today, and please don't be frightened by it, we have an attorney. This is a first for us. We've done probably 40, 50 episodes. We have not had a legal mind in the room with us yet. And part of the reason why when you guys approached me and said you wanted to, you were willing to be a guest that I, was, I loved about it is Arthur has got a personality. He is not your stereotypical lawyer that we all think of the old school, the old school guys. <clears throat> he is uh, as new school as they come. He's a, he's a true professional. He's got a very successful practice. Um, he's a partner in the chair of the Matrimonial and Family Law Division at Greenspoon Mortars, New York office, and they're a national firm. This is a guy who's got some juice, uh, and he's going to have some stories, and we will definitely change the names to protect the innocent if and when we go down that path. Awesome. Arthur, thank you so much for coming in and doing this today. Thanks so much, Dean. So what originally stirred this up, Arthur is uh, – is, uh, is, is close with some friends of ours that you've met in the past on other episodes. Uh, and what stirred this up is Arthur had an interest in doing some podcasts and social media stuff. And I, I want to dive right into this before we get into your business itself. Um, um, Sorry. That's all right. We had a nice little discovery conversation before we started shooting today. And I want to go back down that path and dive a little bit deeper. Uh, one of the things as, so we are officially launching a media company called The Business Beacon that'll officially launch on November 1st. And we're a media company service for professionals and small businesses and entrepreneurs of all types to help them kind of come out of their shell, put a spotlight on who they are and what they do. And I like the who they are part a lot more than the what they do, um, because that's where the story comes from. And we spoke about stories, storytelling a little bit. And Arthur, tell, before we get too deep, give me some insight as to what your thought process was and some of the comments that you made about choosing to be involved in the social media world and podcasting and all the other things. What were your concerns? Um, just generally, and like just even hearing my voice now yep. spooks me, you know, and I make a living with my words and speaking and standing up in front of a judge, but now listening now I start to, I get into my head, uh, how am I going to sound? Am I going to sound like a fool? Um, are my colleagues going to take this seriously? Are the listeners going to take this seriously? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a guy who doesn't take myself seriously for the right. most part. I'm a jokester, but when it comes time to working for my clients, uh, I roll up my sleeve and I do a good product. You're willing you know? to get dirty and you exactly. put the best product on the table. Yeah, you can. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. And, and that was one of the things in many of the conversations we've had over the months that we started ramping up the launch of our company. Many of our, our current and future clients have all said the same thing. It's that fear of judgment and it's not just the judgment of others, but it's a judgment of ourselves. Uh, I do not have 
a sexy voice by any stretch of the imagination, as far as I can tell. Now, Charles Weinraub, who's a mutual friend of ours, has said it to me a million times. He's like, hey, you got that Barry White thing going on. I said, no, production does that for me. I really don't. Um, but when I watch you, you are very comfortable in front of the camera. Your voice resonates. And, I, and I, I say to myself, I can't do that. And I will tell you right now, I am as terrified, if not more so, than you are right now and have been from the day that I started doing it. I do not. I truly, I don't want to come across as a fraud. I am still not comfortable doing this. I do it because I understand it's part of what I have to do to achieve what it is I want to get out of life. Um, and part of that is helping other people get the things that are most important to them, which is why I'm glad you guys approached us um, to talk about a possible client relationship. I think that we have, an ob we have a moral and obli ethical obligation to give the best we can to those who need it. And like we joked before, I, I am guaranteed two listeners for every episode. Me and my mother. And she probably tunes out somewhere after I get the welcome back to Opportunity Knocks. I give my name and then she checks out. Uh, so Ma, I love you, but I'd love for you to listen a little bit longer and learn where that share button is. That would be a huge value to me. See, this is how you build an audience. You beg certain people to do things and you get them out of their comfort zone. It, it's, I don't have that narcissistic bone in me that most people say you have to have to do this. Right. Um, but I've learned to truly enjoy it because of what the positive feedback is that I've gotten from it. And, and I joke about the trolls uh, because that's my personality. I love when people come at me because it gives me permission to go back at them. And that's the kind of twisted individual that I, that I am. It's just the way that I grew up in the world that I, I lived in for years, um, which is why the restaurant business was so much fun for me. We'd get Yelp reviews and my whole staff would freak out. Oh my God, they're so wrong. And I would reply to Yelp reviews. And the twisted individual in me always says, they, they're right until they're not. And if somebody's calling you, calling you a fraud, and you know you did your best, I have every right to go back at them. I would always do it as nicely as possible. But one of the greatest successes I got out of that was having people show up. You know, in New York City, Yelp is the king, and people base their 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 reservations on on reviews. Do you know S Sebastian Maniscalco? You of ever, course, of course. The, the whole shtick he does yeah, on I love Yelp. it. And it, it, it's, it's classic, but, but I used to actually get people coming in and making reservations saying, I read so many of your replies that I needed to know if that person was real. And they'd walk in, and I know the choice of words I use in every one of my replies. They're either very humble or very outright, outright in front That's of That's awesome. And I would walk in, and I'm like, which one did you read? The one, and I would, I, you know, because I, I obsessed about them. I'm like, yeah, you, you are you, and I don't like you, and I'm not coming back. Or you are truly you. And I'm coming back here every other day if I can. I love that's how that. I built the client base because that's authentically who I am. Um, and I had a and, and understanding that in that what I did back then made it easier for me to do this. You know, I had a camera guy following me around for six months every day, shooting my story and putting a vlog together, and it was weird and uncomfortable. And what was re even weirder about it was watching other people look at what was happening. And I got to a point one day where I said. I look at the comments I got on and the questions and the inquiries I got from people based on the last episode or two or three. I'm like, some fool wants to watch what I do. Like, someone told me, have the camera guy follow you 24-7. I'm like, no, I'll do, I know what I look like in a mirror. Nobody else needs to see that, you know? I'm lucky my wife sticks around. I don't need people watching that. But that's, you know, I, 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 I'm watching your mood change as we, as we started, you know, about an hour ago. Um, and as we sit here with the headphones on now, and, I, and I'm watching your mood change, and, and I'm probably going to talk more today than I normally do, and I apologize, so kick me under the table and tell me to shut up if you need me to. Um, 
But I want people to understand that this is nothing more than a process. And it's a tool for marketing. It's a tool for promotion. And it's a tool to help provide value to people, education, information. So let's get back into it. You had all these people who were telling you, you shouldn't do this or you should do that. And the word came up before, you don't want to become a caricature of yourself. Right. And my response was, that's someone else's decision to make for you. It's not yours. You don't, you don't own, they shouldn't own the space in your head. Don't worry about, you know, they're not paying the rent up there. You got to do what's authentically you. Now you come to us and, you know, Christina brought you and made the introduction. Give me some thoughts as to what your, your desires would be in doing some kind of production, social media, podcasting, whatever it is. Sure. So the way I see, I have, I'm not just a matrimonial lawyer. I'm a dad. I'm a single dad. I have two boys. I've been through this process. Um, unfortunately, not once, but twice. Yeah, and I always make the joke to everybody, I can't afford another ex-wife, so I'm very careful. <laughs> well, my friends used to say, oh, you broke back into jail. Um, <laughs> um, and I feel like not only do I have about 25 years of practice, professional experience, I also have some life experience that I can impart to listeners. Um, so you, you've not only lived the story, but you've written the story with other people. Exactly. That you've represented people through going through a divorce, and you've lived your own situation. So you've heard stories from so many different angles that as a result of that, you can be of benefit to not only more and more clients, but the public that's out there who may one day, unfortunately have to go through something like this. That's right. And I think a lot of potential clients have have really appreciated my sharing. It's not like a, I'm an open book and I'm going to readily share my intimate details of my relationships or failed relationships, but it's also important. These people are going through the worst times in their lives. Right. And they want to know that you understand what they're going through. Um, and, you know, when I was a young lawyer, people used to say, adversaries would say, well, do you have kids? You don't understand because you don't have kids. And back then I was quite arrogant and I would say, what the fuck are you talking about? You, just because I don't have kids doesn't mean I'm not a good lawyer. Right. And doing this kind of work, it actually, it lends itself very much to understand the particular issue at times. And a client wants to know, this is very personal that you got, you got it. You've been there. You've been down the trenches. You've rolled up your sleeves and you, you fought and you've also had to deal with it yourself. You know, unfortunately I'm in a few, I'm in a small group. I've, I had a five day custody trial. I went through a forensic examination, custody forensic, which, you know, it's, it, it's a bloodbath, even if the result is a good one. You know, um, it's going through the cheese grater yep. and I can tell a client, I got you. I know what, I know what you've been through. Yeah, we talked, we talked a little bit before, you know, about being in a position where you can help people prepare for the worst case scenario. So they're never disappointed. And it's a line I've used on the show many times, but I, I think that's a big part of what a good attorney does, whether it be matrimonial business, personal, any kind of issue, um, and what I, what I like about how you evolved through that story was you, and most people look at attorneys and say there's zero empathy there. They've got a job to do. But the, the reality of it is the best attorneys understand 
when they need to show that empathy and where. Uh, but because of your life situation as well, you can also sympathize someone. And there is a fine line between the two, and, and a, but also a huge gap. And the fact that you're in a position where you can be, you can literally play both ends of that stick, put you in a position to bring that much more value to the average person who, who may or may not need, need to learn something from you or retain you. Sure. Yeah. So let's, let's jump into the, the nuts and bolts of what you do. You know, what we like to talk about here on the show is, you know, we'd like to talk about your successes and how you, how you won, but where were the biggest opportunities that you learned from your failures? So you talk about moving up and being a, being a, having a major role in this, this national, this national practice through, Give us some of the stories as to how you got to where you are, where you fell flat on your face, and what you did to kind of brush yourself off and, and keep plowing ahead. Sure. So I actually didn't want to be a matrimonial lawyer. Um, I don't know many people who <laughs> kind of go through high school and say, hey, I yeah, want to exactly. represent people in divorces. My dad was a, a lawyer, and back then, you know, there was no such thing as a matrimonial lawyer. It evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, in that generation. And he became known as he was a litigator. And then over time, you know, one case turns into five cases, which next thing you know, he's a matrimonial lawyer in the equitable distribution law, which is what we have here in New York uh, for family law cases um, dealing with division of assets that came to be in 1980. So the cachet boutique matrimonial law lawyers started to come down back then. Um, and I wanted to be an actor and I told my parents I was going to LA and I joke, I got the, uh, Jewish offer. I couldn't refuse. You go to LA, you're on your own (laughs) and, uh, you go to law school, then, um, stay forever. Exactly. (laughs) So I thought I was just going to go get the degree and go act. Uh, law school was in New York and I figured I would just do acting gigs and then that would be it. And listen, I now as a dad, I truly respect and admire where my parents were coming from. They just wanted me to have something to fall back on. You know, my dad would joke, I don't have a dry cleaning business for you to walk into. So I did it. And then unfortunately, uh, right after I graduated and took the bar, my dad had a massive heart attack. And he's like, the firm's yours. I just signed a 10 year lease. I didn't want to do this kind of work, or so I thought. And I went to go work at a banking firm. And I learned very quickly that I actually liked the work. Okay. You know, I just didn't like working with my dad. And I ultimately... Which is is a very valuable discovery. And that's not a shot against either of you. I think that's a a great piece of self-awareness. Well, and the irony is right now, my dad's been gone almost 17 years. And I would give my left leg to not only um, have, you know, lunch with my dad and my two boys, but also to practice with him. He's one of the smartest individuals I've ever met and a fantastic um, lawyer. Um, And I just would love to share that experience with him. But so ultimately I ended up getting back into uh, matrimonial law. I've been practicing in this area exclusively ever since with some of the biggest in the country, if not the world. Um, and at some point after, you know, getting my teeth sharpened, uh, with those, um, high powered matrimonial lawyers, I started my own practice. Um, 
like in New York, relationships, whether it's professional or personal, they live and die on leases. Yep. And uh, the lease came due. I'm still close with my old partner um, or friendly with my old partner. We just agreed that we wanted to go different ways. Okay. And so the world of family law attorneys is very mm -hmm. small and incestuous. Um, I took up with another guy who was closing up his office and for a bunch of reasons we don't need to get into, uh, an opportunity lended itself to Greenspoon Martyr. Um, and so now I was able to take on a, uh, a group in a national presence, okay. which is not uh, too common. I was going to say, that doesn't sound like it's the kind of layup that falls in people's laps all too often. Yeah, well, it's not. Most matrimonial houses are boutique-style litigation firms. Um, and the nice thing about this firm, it's Florida based and, um, you know, I represent athletes and a lot of athletes, um, reside in Florida. So that was very attractive for me. Okay. Um, and the, the opportunity to, you know, when you're a matrimonial lawyer, like you're a trusted advisor and when you're representing, you're in the trenches in the hardest time of somebody's life. Uh, if not ever, when they're going through a divorce and you're literally living the intimate details of their, of their world, they start to trust you in all aspects of their lives. Right. And so countless times when I'd be representing someone after their divorce, they'd say, you know, we'd become friendly. And then they'd say, oh, if it's a hedge fund guy, can you do compliance? Can you do the corporate work? Can you do a trust in this? Can you do my, my trust in estate work? And I used to, back when I just had my boutique firm, I would just say, here are three names of guys that I trust. Go meet with them. Pick the person you like, and that's up to you. I was what really attracted me to being at a full-service firm. I'm now able to essentially GC yep. these people's lives. I And I love the fact that you went down that path and you, and you brought that up because, you know, on the real estate side, we deal with attorneys every day and you hear so much from so many attorneys that say, ah, I can do that. I could do that. I could do that. But can you do it well? And my understanding from many of the attorneys that I've gotten to know over the years and some who I'm very close with is that real estate typically is the easiest form of law to practice. Any attorney who's passed the bar probably can do it reasonably well, but can you do it really well? Right. And I love the fact that you mentioned because matrimonial has so many moving parts. So I, I'm sure many do, but I've been through that path. So I know a little, there are so many moving parts to it that it's great to hear someone say, I know my lane and this is what I, yes, I can help you. But being able to say, I, I, even though I can do it, I may not be the best solution to your problem. Go here. Um, and, and that's something that I don't hear from enough people in almost any industry. Like people come to me all the time. Oh, do you do commercial? Never in a million years would I do commercial real estate. It is such a different business. But it's real estate. You got to have the same kind of license, yes. But you got to have a very different experience. You know, I don't claim to be Joe Rogan as a podcaster. I don't claim to be Gary Vee as a podcaster. I am trying to figure out what the best version of Dean Miller and Opportunity Knox is, and that's what I'll work and plow forward through every day to figure out how to do that. And the fact that you know your lane and have that self awareness, which is a word that's come up three or four times in our conversation so far today, um, I, I love to hear. And I think that's what makes you a great candidate to be more involved in share, getting your message out there. Um, so let's, let's jump back again. And 
I don't want this to come across as a sales pitch in any in any way. We'd love to have you as a client when the time is right, if you believe it's something that you can do. But I love going through that discovery process. So you've got a lean. You, you kind of know what you're best suited at. You talk about you have a side hustle as well, and it's something else that you're passionate about. Uh, and that's how most side hustles evolve into becoming special things. Uh, and I, if, if you're comfortable with it, we'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit as well. Sure. Um, but let, let's go back to um, your concerns. As, as an attorney, there's a level of respect that most people have for you. There's also a level of disrespect that many people have for you. Let's talk about your, your concerns um, because we, we get a lot of calls from people saying, I want to start a podcast, but I don't know what to talk about. I don't know if anybody's going to listen to me. We talked about that, that fear of sounding foolish or making an ass of yourself and tripping over your own tongue. But what is it that you would like to get out of doing it? Let's take all the fears and concerns and say, let's look 5, 10, 20 years down the road. What does the best case scenario look, for, look like for you as a result of doing stuff and getting that message out there? I want someone to listen to what I have to say, whether it's hearing a podcast or reading a book of mine and, and that says, you know, listen, I was on the fence. I was living in purgatory or I didn't know. I was so scared of pulling the fucking trigger uh, in a miserable situation in my marriage with my spouse and you told me and you assured me that it was going to be okay. And, you know, I always tell clients, it's like going to the dentist. When you go to the dentist and they pull out that huge metal object, you want to know what's going to happen afterwards. Yep. Unfortunately, a lot of what I do, I can't tell you after we jam that big metal object, what's going to happen. I also joke, you go to court, it's like going to Vegas without the pretty lights and the great restaurants, yeah. okay? And, but I have, I think, a lot of experience doing what I do. I have stories. I could pretty much script how a case is going to go, okay? If you, what I do is not rocket science, okay? A lot. But, it, but it, it's, it's a very probably the wrong phrase, but there's, it, it needs to be a very well choreographed dance. Uh, and it's so funny you say that because that I say we're doing the dance. You know, it takes four people to settle any case, any dispute. Yep. And more importantly, in a, in a divorce or a dissolution of a relationship because you have the psychological component. And sometimes it's the lawyer, whether it's a lawyer who wants to keep the lights on, an insecure lawyer, someone who just wants to uh, run up a fee, or you have a spouse who's not ready to pull the trigger. Right. You know, it takes two to tango, yeah. but it only takes one to say, I want to get divorced. Um, and there are certain things in play uh, where you can drag out the process oh. and you can make the other person miserable. And so the case may not resolve so quickly because the stars don't all align in the beginning. That's right. That's right. And it, it, it's not always a happy ending but it doesn't always have to be a miserable, you know, it doesn't have to be miserable, but it's, it's usually not all that happy right. initially. You know, I, I look back on mine and say, here I am 20 something years later and I'm in the greatest position in my life. People say, well, that's awesome. You know, I, 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 I've become more and more, I study the Stoics and I, I try to, to, to learn more and more on how to look at things with a different perspective. And, and, you know, my wife just celebrated a birthday a couple of weeks ago and we, we made, Happy a, lot birthday. Of, we made a lot of jokes. Uh, 
And, but but I, I got to that point where I said, you know, had my life, had I not had the challenges in my life leading up to the day that I met her and the 20 years we're together now, life wouldn't have been the same for us. So, you know, I, I don't look at it as a regret. I look at it and say, I had a, I had a difficult wet marriage and I got out of it. It took three and a half years, but I, I made it out and I'm a better person as a result of it today. I like to find the positive in things. It's one of those things that drives me. And that's where the whole stoic mentality comes from. Uh, and that you can find positive in any situation. And I think a good lawyer helps people realize that along the way as well and makes it that much less painful. Like when we talk about selling a house, you know, every the minute I walk into a house and someone says I'm moving, I'm like, well, today becomes the day that this becomes a business transaction. Stop worrying about where jo Johnny and Sally went to the bathroom for the right. first time. You need to get the hell out. You know, you're wasting money every day you're here. Um, it's where you have to take the, and balance the two is how do you be stoic and empathetic, but also at the same time say you've made a decision. Some people need a kick in the ass, and sometimes that's what my feet are for, and other times it's to help me walk out the door and walk away. Oh. <clears throat> I can't tell you how many times I've heard about the rug and this and that, and I say, take $10,000 off my bill. Yeah. Go get a new rug. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's a, that's a big number to throw away, but, yeah. yes, you're, you're right. That's what it comes down to. You can't – things are things. Um, it's like my, my mom and dad are, are moving down to Florida. They're, they're, they've become permanent residents of Florida, but we're going through all the legalese because dad's built a career up here for 80 years. Um, and mom doesn't want to sell the house. And I said, well, what do you want it for? A day and a half a year, Christmas Eve and Christmas morning? Uh, you know, you, you've got to move on from emotion at times. And this is where my wife says I lack in empathy. I'm like, just, just, just pull the damn Band-Aid off. Other people want to sit there and watch. You know, when I bought my, my recent house uh, that I bought – my most recent house, four years that we're in it now. And I'll never forget, we had a closing date set. And then all of a sudden, the rug got pulled out from under, other, under me, and they said, well, we have the seven-day option to stay in the house after the closing. And the owner of the house decided, I'm staying in this house every day for those seven days. And we, we joked, like, what'd she do? Sit on a milk crate in the middle of the house and just look around and remember everything. I said, wow. get the hell out, take pictures, and, and, and move on with it. So people, people are interesting. And... Uh, you know, we get all we get all kinds, but I digress. Let's get back. No, get it's back. it's very similar to what I deal with. Yeah. There are some lawyers. If you if you chug, you know, if you if you cut the check and the retainer to them, and you want them to sit and argue in front of a judge that today is Sunday, when it's Tuesday, right. they'll do that. And I'll say, listen, you know, the judge is not going to forget these arguments. There's there's a time and a place for everything, and you also have your reputation. Yep. And as an attorney, you're supposed to be an advocate. I get all that, but you're also supposed to advise and counsel your client. And there are certain things to fight over and there are certain things to not. Fight right. There over. are battles that are worth having. There are battles that are, that are worth running away from at full speed. And, and, and this is, let's, let's dive into you personally with, with what you're thinking about here. These are the stories and the things that, that I believe make for great content for you to share with people is telling those stories of, Hey, these are the different types of lawyers that exist. And that's, that's going to be a tough thing for someone like you to say, because these are, they're not just your adversaries. They're people you, you have to come in contact with physically every single day. Because it, like you said, it's a small incestuous world. And I, I'll never forget when I walked through the family, uh, matrimonial court the first time ever with my, my lawyer was step and a half in front of me and every single person there knew each other. Yeah. It's like, this is just, it's, it's borderline creepy. Um, and then you get into the room and you're watching these guys who are hugging and chatting outside in the hallway and they're calling each other every four letter word in the book. And the clients are just sitting there watching this total disbelief. 
Well, there are, but there are, there is a big client base where they want their lawyer to yell and scream at the adversary. And excuse my French, but that is so fucked up. That view you want your lawyer to know the other side, what their strength and weakness is as a lawyer. Do they get along? Cause that means that they're going to be able to sit down and roll up their sleeves and resolve the case. Right. right. You know, it, it's just such a, it's just, as someone looking at it from the outside, looking in, I, it's, it's just so weird. Personality shifts happen. So, and I, I normally snap at a time like that, but I get yelled at if, and when you ever do a podcast, do not snap your fingers. I'll just warn you right now because the people who edit and produce will hate you. <laughs> so Corey, you're welcome. I didn't do it this time. Um, but it, it is funny how that song and that song and dance happens and, and the misperception that so many of us as on the client side look at it and say, how could you get along with them? You have to hate them. Um, I, I actually did a, did a piece a couple days ago where I talked about it and I said, you know, negotiation doesn't have to be a win-lose. And, and I think more and more, like, the more I think about it, and I don't know what possessed me to start it, but I literally, like we were talking about before, I literally took my phone with my short arms and bad lighting and my needing, needing to get my head shaved again because it was growing all sorts of weird ways. And I shot a video and I said, you know, life doesn't have to be about who wins and who loses. Not everybody had, you know, the best real estate transactions I've ever been involved in. Everybody walked away from the table happy or in two cases, everybody walked away from the table miserable. And that's how you knew you did a good job. Exactly. One person leaves with a different tone of voice than the other. You screwed something up. Yeah. So. There are no winners and losers typically. No. Doing what I do because it's not like I'm not, I'm not selling widgets. I'm not selling a product. And no matter what the result is, you get a four page document, a 10 page, you know, judgment of divorce. Mm -hmm. There's, typically a 60 page agreement behind it. And now you have to live with that person. Just it's not in the same house and you're laughing because you get it. Um, And you you know, uh, I've had uh, a lot of victories and then now you have to deal with the other side who's miserable as shit, you know? And when I say you, it's just that part, you know, your kid's five years old. Okay. Well now there's, you know, child support goes till 21. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bar mitzvahs, weddings, christenings, communions, you know. There's that, that never-ending balance. You yeah. Know? I haven't, you know, mine got resolved. It's probably six years ago by the time it was done. And you know, that happened back in 2001 or two. I mean, that's it's a long time to live with someone that you don't live with. <laughs> you yeah. don't live with. But, I, but a good attorney will put you in a position to say, at worst, it's tolerable. And I... I I'm amazed after going through my experience at how many people I've heard stories of where they've been divorced for years and they're the best of friends. And I, I don't want to say I have regrets. I'm just, it, it, for my kid's sake, I wish that would have been more the the reality, but I get that. Listen, uh, I get that. Um, in, in a lot of different ways, Yeah, you know, so I'm writing a book. Um, I write a book for Lexis Nexus, but, um, that's for lawyers. And so I'm putting together a book for people who are in the process of going through a divorce. And, um, with that, I've reached out to a lot of old clients that I ordinarily wouldn't do. And, you know, people ask me all the time, well, you know, what does your client think about that? What does your client think about this? And you don't know unless they, uh, make a lot of bad mistakes over time and they, keep getting divorced or need a prenup. 
you know, it's a one-off job. Yep. So God, I, God willing, it only th- happens once in a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it depends on who you ask. Um, and so over the last couple of months, I've been reaching out to old clients to ask them if, cause I felt like what would be better than sharing stories from individuals who've been in their shoes. Yep. And so a lot of people are doing anonymous shares for my book. And I, I had the pleasure of speaking to one of, you know, a lot of these clients and one st- sticks out in particular during this conversation. And it was in the heat of COVID and she, first of all, was so appreciative of my, you know, representation of her, which it, what I do for the most part is a thankless job. Right. Everybody hates lawyers. Nobody wants to deal with lawyers, right. let you're, alone you're the a, easy target. a divorce lawyer. Yeah. You know, um, they say the difference between criminal law and family law in the criminal world, you're dealing with really horrible people on their best behavior. And in family law, you're dealing with really nice people on their worst behavior. <laughs> so... I was talking to this client and she was so appreciative and she was telling me, you know, they were, everybody was hunkered down, um, quarantining in the beginning of COVID and she was engaged. She's engaged to be married. Uh, she lives in Brooklyn and her and her fiance were split because he has kids. They're going to blend their families. And so they both have kids from different relationships. And so he was down dealing with his kids, so she's up in her house, in her family house in Massachusetts, living with her ex and the kids. And to me, what a beautiful story, yeah. you know, like after all this time, nasty divorce, and they were able to put that aside, uh, you know, because of the pandemic and everybody to live under one roof for a period That's, of time. That, 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 that is, it's the only way it's a beautiful story to hear things like that. You know, you see the Hollywood versions of it at times where they, they blend the families and they get divorced and they get remarried and you know, you just look at it and say, it's, it's batshit crazy. But in in reality, it really is wonderful when you can see people come together for the right reasons. And normally the kids are the the most right of the right reasons. So, don't get me wrong. This that is the exception of yeah. what I normally hear. I I hear the underbelly. You know, my sweet spot is high conflict divorce. Right. But you know, it's also optimistic for the person out there that there that's a possibility. But, and and this is the reason why I say a guy like you. And again, don't take this as a sales pitch. This is a reason why a guy like you needs to be involved in doing. Like I said, the fact that you're writing a book, I love it. I think it's and and uh, you know, I I get it because. I've had people tell me the same story of why I should do it. And I kind of pushed back against it. So you and I are kind of on different ends of the spectrum where I'm going for the verbal and you're going for the written word right now. But I, I think there are so many opportunities for you to take, you know, you have clients who are willing to spill their guts and share with you and say, yes, you can use this. Um, those stories, you know, we talk about storytelling. Those are the stories that, that would be great to hear you share. Uh, and whether it's, the actual past client telling the story or digitized version of their voice to protect the innocent. Um, I think this is where social media can provide so much more value to people. Um, You know, it's an entertain, they're entertaining platforms for the most part when you look at Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, but there are great opportunities on there to educate and provide value 
and do it in a fun way. And and you've got that that personality, and like we talked before, you've got the actor persona, um, which is definitely a, a huge value when you become an attorney. From what I understand, you've got to play the role. You got to learn to play multiple roles. Um, but I I think that's where you're you're blessed with an opportunity to tell stories and. To use the phrase I used earlier, you've got to understand how and when you have that moral and ethical obligation to share those stories because there can be that one person out there who can benefit from it. And you don't need a million followers and 10 million downloads. We don't all need to be Joe Rogan and Gary Vaynerchuk. You need to be author. I need to be Dean. And we need to keep doing what we do 40, 50, 1,000 episodes later to make that one contact. I believe that you know that's part of what we were put here to do was to share uh, with others and you know who the hell knows what the meaning of life is i'm not a, i'm not a buddhist monk i do a little stoic contemplation from time to time and that's about it but the i i i have learned to get so much pleasure out of doing this and like i said i really don't enjoy it i don't like i turn down the headset the volume on my headset when we do this so i don't have to listen to myself um and when i get chances to coach and talk with people you know, I, I laugh because I have agents that I train all the time, and they say, can you repeat that? And more often than not, the answer is no, and it's not because I don't want to. I'm just so conditioned to go. See, I'm snapping. Right. I'm conditioned to go and go and go that this, by doing things this way, I've created more and more opportunities for other people to get better at what they do. Um, so I don't, you know, we don't do this to get the thank yous and the praise. At least I, I don't, you know, and, and our company, we don't. I want to get the thank you and the praise from my clients because I help them achieve a goal. Um, and I believe what all these platforms are for is to do that is to help us understand that we're, we're on a path to achieve a goal and we really need to reverse engineer what that goal is, but we also need to be aware along the way that the goal we might've set today probably isn't the right one tomorrow. We got to keep going back and back and doing it over and over again. And I think that's why I would love to get you in front of a camera and on a mic to supplement that book. Um, and you know, talked earlier what what do i talk about well you've got a you've got a template for your book right if you got 12 chapters in there every chapter's got four sub chapter kind of things there's 12 20 48 pieces of content for you to talk about um and i i love that it's really easy to do you just gotta pretend it's not you doing it if that makes sense yeah sure and then one day the actor in you is going to come back out and you're going to say holy shit this is fun because I, I spend more time laughing at myself than patting myself on the back. So I, I love nothing more than all that B-roll footage of me cursing and tripping and falling down. That's what I truly enjoy is putting those pieces together where all you hear is beep, 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 because everything's a full letter word. Right. Um, yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that. Of course. And, and listen, we, I think we both dropped more than our fair share. From it. And I, I look at this and I, I wanted to ask you, you know, who do, do you know who your target audience is? Because that's one of the things that people don't understand when it comes time to, to producing content. So, and this is one of the processes we like to take people to. The client that I'm representing is exactly how you describe. They don't have a problem um, that I'm dropping F-bombs. In fact, that to, that, that to them, it makes me more real. Yep. And that I can just... You know, call it like I see it. I'm not going to sit and talk about all this legalese. I'm going to say, listen, you have some fucking problems on this argument. Um, you know, I, I'm going to call it like I see it. 
I am not, um, I'm a good writer. You know, I can carry myself in a, in a courtroom. Um, but I think the person, my ideal client base is someone who knows that I'm a straight shooter and uh, I'm not a bullshit artist. Mm -hmm. And they appreciate that. And they want the straight answer. Right. I'm not just going to tell you, Dean, what you want to hear just because that's what you want to hear. If you're doing drugs and you have supervised visits, I'm not going to tell you, yeah, I'm getting you joint custody right. or custody of your kid. It's just, right. and, and if I'm doing that, then shame on me because I'm doing you a monster disservice. Are there attorneys? And I, yes. I, I, okay. So there are plenty of attorneys out there who will tell you what, 100%. what you want to hear. And they probably have a bigger checkbook than I do uh, or bank account, but uh, I can sleep at night knowing that I'm giving my client the best representation. I love it. And that, and it, I, from the few conversations we had and the mutual friends that we have, I truly believe that. And, and, you know, you come from a position of service and, and I, I truly admire that about you. And again, I think that's more of the reason why you need to open. I've used the, it, it really bothers me that I keep going back to this line, but you need to open up the kimono and show the world what you, what you really are. Um, because I, I think there are stories out there. I think there are lessons that you can teach and there are lessons you can learn from doing this. And I think the more we get, I, I used to love being invited to rooms to talk. I'm in front of a room of 10 people, 50 people, 500 people. Again, terrifying to me that I'd be up there and anybody gave a damn about anything coming out of my mouth. But when someone would say to me, tell us about your experience or share your opinion. I love that because I could, for every person in that room, I learned 10 times more than any of them could. Um, because it gave me an opportunity to really get to know myself more and more about what I was capable and willing to do and what I was, who and what I was willing to put up with. And again, this to me really defines that. I, I'm looking at you, but in the back of my mind, I'm saying, who, is it, who else is out there that could benefit from what Arthur has to say, what his pain and struggles are, what his successes and victories are? And how can we get that message out there? And that's what, that's what, content creation is really brought to the table for me. My concern is that, and I, the goal for this, for me, is to impart my experience professionally and personally mm -hmm. to help somebody else make it less painful when they go through the process. And that's it. And Because I don't want this to be perceived. There's a lot of lawyers out there. They're more interested in, you know, perpetuating their agenda and making sure they're making headlines with their own name. They're on the cover uh, of this magazine or they're on page six. My clients are coming to me because I'm keeping their cases confidential. You know, there's yep. a major sensitivity issue um, and personal uh, confidential aspect. And I don't want to be lumped into that category because there's plenty of those lawyers you know, and I, so I'm going to actually step outside the box and do something that I don't know if my producer is going to appreciate or not, but could be very interesting. I'm going to look straight into the camera and hope that he can create some content off of the, off of the following questions. And I want you to chime in, look at the camera and yell and ask whatever you want. For those of you who are watching this right now, in whatever form you're seeing it, what's the first opinion you have in your mind when you hear about an attorney who's doing a podcast?
and pause. Let's go to the next one. If you saw an attorney on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, would you have an opinion of that attorney before you even heard a word come out of their mouth? And what would that opinion be? Part B to that, would you be right or wrong after listening to that? Next question, can you find value in learning from people in other industries? Not necessarily whether or not they're attorneys or not, but their struggles, their successes, their failures, their opportunities. These are all things that I want, I want you to think about when love you it. put together your content. We all cast judgment. It's human nature for us to judge, at least for you know that fraction of a second. But in reality, I look at who I follow online when it comes to social media things, and a lot of them are in the digital marketing space. Some of them are professional chefs because I'm a fat guy who likes to eat, and I like to see what they're doing. Some people I watch just because they're entertaining, um, and there's no benefit I get out of it other than I got entertained for 59 seconds. You know? Who's your favorite chef? I, I don't have a favorite. I've, I've, you know, I've always found Anthony Bourdain to be an arrogant jackass, and I loved him for it. Uh, and, and I truly was upset the day that he died. I went through when Emerald Lagasse started his variety show, we'll call it, at night. There wasn't an episode that I missed for years, and this is probably th- close to, damn, it's just short of 30 years ago now. Um, he was one of my favorite to watch. I, I love the cooking of Paul Prudhomme and, and the, the Cajun stuff and all the Bayou stuff down there. Um, uh, what's his name? Michael Simon. Listen, again, I'm a fat guy. He lives on pork. Yeah. There's not much you can't like about him. But I, I've always loved cookbooks because I love to cook. I've got dozens and dozens and dozens of cookbooks. Um, and I find bits and pieces. You know, it's like I make the greatest meatballs in the world but they're a variation of what Rocco DiSpirito did. And I'm not afraid to admit that I stole his and made it mine. I'm okay Love with it. that. How about, how about yourself? Um, I, know you, I know you're quite the foodie. Who is my, I don't know if I have a favorite. I think my dad was my favorite chef. Oh, see, you just threw my ass right under the bus. Why? Because, <laughs> no, listen, I went with all these celebrity people, and you went home. This well, is coming from an attorney. You I know? never <laughs> even thought of what the answer was. Yes. My dad cooked in the Army. Really? And... Um, I, like, I never appreciated it really, like, um, as much until COVID. And I really, I channeled a chef that I had no idea existed. You know, I spent so much time on a, on a commute and the next thing you know, we're all hunkered down and I love it. I, the joy that you get and I can completely understand and it really kind of hit, you know, hits a nerve that, um, that it's very important to you because I understand the love because you're sharing part of you right. with your loved ones. Um, I, I, I laugh. I have a lot of friends in hospitality and in the restaurant business. Um, and when you're telling me about these and I've represented some of these people, mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite stories, one of my oldest buddies, and there's like five of us, we've been friendly since we were five years old and he is a chef and um, he worked at Danielle. Okay. For many years. And uh, he, I remember we all, there's like five couples. We went for lunch. We had the big tasting. And, and next thing you know, we got, you know, we got taken around into the restaurant. Uh, this is the, the first one before he had like, okay. you know, seven restaurants, whatever it is. And then he's like, guys, just sit tight. And it turns out we had this like three hour lunch, big tasting with wine pairings. And then he comes out, he goes, okay, I just quit. 
And it was like, are you serious? Really? We just had this amazing meal. We met Danielle. He came out several times. And you, you quit? Couldn't you have waited at least till tomorrow right. to let quit? Us, let us get you out know? the door at least first. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 funny you say that because I, you know, I, I'm impressed by your answer only because of the fact that it, it's truly genuine. And, again, there's a story for you to tell. You know, you, you think about it. When we talk about creating content, the, the things that most connecting with people are family, food, fun. You know, fitness is another is another big one. I'm not a fitness guy. You know, I'm I'm the anti fitness <laughs> guy, too. so I could get away with that. But the, that right there, that little story will create a little snippet out of that. That because people will connect and engage with that. You know, there's a story. Not it's not a common answer. Who's your favorite chef of all time? My dad. Like I I literally got a chill when you said that. Not. Listen, my mom was a great cook. She knows how to make the best reservations in town now. But for years, she fed us well. She treated us well. She had two sisters who were phenomenal cooks. Their mom, who was Sicilian, is the only Sicilian in the history of the world who could burn water. Um, the woman didn't know how to cook. And so there's stories about that. And that's what engaging with people is all about, is, is opening yourself up to them to say, welcome to my world. I, you know, if, if you appreciate this, let me give you that hug. I can be here to help you. And if and when the time comes that you ever need my services, understand that I'm here to help you. Um, I think content creation, social media in general, are some of the greatest sales tools in the world if you don't use them as sales tools, as you use them as opportunities to, branding is the, is the in word right now. But if you use them to brand you as the unique, authentic, genuine, good person that you are, if that's what you are. Listen, if you're a well, not that good. Uh, but I'm still a divorce lawyer. It, right. But, but listen, it, it, but, you know, and, and that's a good way to start to wrap this up. But I'm just still a divorce lawyer. But you know what? Yes, you are a divorce lawyer and you, and you own it and you're, you're good at it. Um, and you're not only good at it because your clients win, but like you said before, you're able to put people in a position where there's a comfort level for them. And I think that's what this is all about is I love to make people laugh. It, it, it's one of my goals in life every day is to find a way to make someone else laugh and to find a way to make me laugh at myself. That's easy. I just look in the mirror. But every day since, you know, since my brother passed, I've made it very clear. My goal in life every day is to make someone else laugh in some way, shape, or form. And if, I, if I'm literally in a room by myself all day, this is a great vehicle for me to help, help do that is because I'll trip over my tongue and make an ass of myself, and that usually leads to somebody laughing at me. Good. And I'm good with it. Arthur, you got any questions for us? Because we're, we're up against time. We like to try to keep this under an hour, and I know you got things to do. I want to respect that. What questions do you have for us that you think the audience might have interest in hearing about? That's a great question. I don't know. All right. Well, listen, maybe it'll lead to part two. We would, we would love the opportunity to work with you. I would love for anybody who got this far into the interview, God bless you, you've, you're, a, you're a saint. You've got the patience of a saint. But let us know wherever you see this, where you think Arthur can improve, where I can improve, what it is that brings value to you. Um, because I think ultimately that's what makes creating content easier and easier is saying, what am I good at? What can I bring value to for someone else? Um, and I'm not a fan of saying, hey, you know, is there anything I can do for you? I like to ask people, you know, where do you have, where do you have cracks in your boat? Where do you have kink in your arm? Or where do you need improvement in your business? Not what can I do for you? Um, I actually have a question. So go, you were. This is why I ramble. I'm waiting for something. You were asking the audience a bunch of questions yes. that I kind of initiated your thoughts. Yep. 
And so now, let's say you put together your stream or what, I don't know the technical word. Right. You get it out there. Now people have questions. I uh, hope so. They have, I would assume that's, they have. That's the in point my, here. In my opinion, that's what we do it for. But others do it for other reasons. But I get you. Go ahead. So how is there a some sort of setup where, like, it's not a radio show. This is right. a podcast. So right. how gotta, is You've got to hunt to find it. How do you set it up so um, we are setting up the interface is there such an interface where someone is saying, yes, and here's my question, can you answer it? Or does it have to be it's a, like a step process? It's a, it's a loaded question that involves a lot of stuff. And it's part of what scares people when it comes to the social media world is that so many people think they have to be in all places at all times. We touched on it earlier. I personally am very comfortable in the Instagram world. It comes natural to me. I'm, I'm, I'm good there. I know how it works. I get good response and feedback. So we push a lot of our content to Instagram. I'm not as good in the Facebook world. Um, the platform has evolved so much over the years. I mean, I've been on, I've been on Facebook, I think, 10, 11 years now. Um, and there are parts of it that have made me less comfortable with it. Not in a bad way. It's just, you know, I like certain kinds of sneakers. If you put me in different kind of shoes, they're not going to be comfortable. That's that's what it is to me. What kind of sneakers? Uh, but listen, I just got another pair. I'm, I'm a fat old guy. I'm in my Balance. 50s now. I live in my new balances because I got fat feet. Um, I'd love to wear Air Force Ones, but they just don't fit me right. You know, my daughter has a pair, and I look at her, and I cringe. I'm like, damn, I never was able to fit into those things. But I digress. So it comes back to a concept that I don't know if we, we opened up with it or if I talked about it earlier, but you have to understand that this is a marketing platform piece that we're putting together. Um, it's one of many ways to look at it. And you have to understand how to market your marketing. So if you know who your target audience is and where they live and where they spend their time, you need to be there. You need to make yourself figure out how to get comfortable there. And you need to engage with people. And social media is not about collecting followers or getting, you know, thumbs up or hearts. It's about connecting and engaging with people. I don't need 100,000 followers. I need a few that I can have meaningful relationships with. And like I said to you, of the 1,500 or so followers we have on Instagram, I could guarantee you that 75% of them, at least if I sent them a direct message, would reply to me because I've connected with so many of them in so many ways. And I like building those deeper relationships. And the deeper you build the relationships, then you can start to go build them a little bit wider. So, you know, we use a program called Podbean, which is where we host our podcast. And from there, it syndicates out to all the different, so all the different podcast platforms. So there's, there, there's uh, Spotify and there's iTunes and there's Google Play and all the others. We push the button and it shows up in all those worlds. And from there, people can go and find it. And there's a website that's tied to it where you can put comments if you wanted to. But we don't necessarily obsess about that. We're going to put these on, on YouTube as well. Um, we're in the process of working on the, the video versions of all of these that we have shot and we'll put them there and I'll understand that I'll have to be on YouTube and pay attention to, uh, where we get likes and comments so I can connect and engage and answer questions for people there. Most of what we do, you know, like we talked a little bit before LinkedIn, I think is a great platform for you to, for you to be on based on your business skills and expertise and, and your audience. Uh, and we'll help you study who they are, but you've got to take the time. And it's not a full-time job. You can spend a few minutes a day and, and just commit to it and say, I'm going to spend six minutes a day on Instagram and 12 minutes a day on LinkedIn and four minutes on Instagram. And boom, 
if you're on YouTube and other things, it's set up so that your comments show up in your inbox. So you can create filters to say, I'm going to do my engagement, my engagement periods. And I believe it's the kind of thing where you have to commit to it just like any other part of your job uh, or, or your business. You've got to get better and better at it. You've got to commit the time to do it because it will work if you put the work in. But if you just do it and throw it out there, you have nobody to blame but yourself if it doesn't take off. And it probably won't. You've got to market your marketing. So, yeah, you, you need to figure out systems to compile it all in, in one or two places. My social media literally takes place on one folder in my phone. All the other things, like, you know, all the YouTube comments and the website comments we get, I have it set up so that they all show up in one folder in my inbox on my computer. And I do my social media for a few minutes in the morning, and I do my, my comments and replies in the afternoon to other things, just like if I'm generating leads. I know I've got to follow up with a potential buyer or seller or whoever it may be. And do you do that on your own, or do you have someone who... Right now? Stuff? Well, okay, so as far as engagement goes with social media, I truly believe that you have to have that authentic voice. And the only person who can authentically be you is you. So like I talked about earlier with the Yelp replies, that was all me. There was, there was no fluff. I had, we hired a company who did that in the beginning because I didn't know better. Right. When I looked at their replies, I was, I was disgusted by the choice of words because it didn't sound anything like me. You know, you'll never hear me use the phrase yemo. You know, it's, it's just not me. So when somebody would... And I didn't know what better. does yemo mean. I, it's it's just irritating, you know. If you hear foodies and you know yemo. Oh like, yemo. Yemo, yeah, yemo, yeah. It's so great. It's it's just not me. Yeah. Um, so I I have personally made a decision to say that I will handle all of that. Now I do have people who watch it and help me promote and market and do some advertising for us. So when things come in, they all get flagged. We all look at it, but they all know it pushes back to me. And everybody understands that in my world right now, at least the way we've got it set up, I'm the only true voice of the company. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm a dictator. It just means that, that I'm the one who established the vision for it. Therefore, the voice has to be mine. As we grow and evolve, like I talk about Corey all the time, who's our media director. Corey's my operating partner in the media world. But Corey is also not someone who likes to do that stuff. So he'll, he'll, you know, tap me and say, hey, go check this one out because it happened. Because I do like to, to engage quickly. Um, you know, somebody comes onto a real estate website and you don't try to commit to getting back to them soon. They're going to go see 100 other right. real estate agents. So I want to be, be early in the process. So I take a few minutes every day, uh, sometimes twice a day, depending on how busy or not busy I am or how much my phone blows up. The red light, the red bubble goes off on my phone, but I don't count how many are, right. are pending. Um, you know, I'll have I'll have two thousand emails and I'll have twenty thousand replies. Um, you know, wishful thinking, but that that's how I do it. So I I commit a certain amount of time every day and week to follow up with people. Uh, and if there are questions, I always make it very clear. If you send me a direct message or a Facebook message or something like that, those are the methods that I communicate best with. So when people connect with me in a way that I'm most comfortable with. When it comes from a sales standpoint on, on the business end, I've got to com communicate with my client in the way that they're best. So if somebody says, I only want to communicate by fax, that's how I'm going to get them. You know, I don't know how to do smoke signals and Morse code, but you have, to give, you have to give the client what they want and they're most comfortable with. For now, as the one who is the, the face and the voice of the brand, if people want to connect with me, the best way for them to do it is a way that I'm more likely to reply. So it's like a, my, my wife still cringes, but I tell people all the time, you can text me 24 hours a day. I don't mind because the ringer on my phone is never on. So it doesn't bother me. 
And if I'm up at 4.30 in the morning and you send me one and you get a reply from me, I, listen, I won't reply to you at 4.30 if you sent it to me at 6 p.m. But if you send it to me at 4.30 and I'm up, you might get a reply from me. Don't bank on it. It's, right. it's like the icing on the cake. Uh, but you'll get a message back from me between 9 and 10, which is my normal hours to do that. Um, so it, when you communicate with me in a way that I'm receptive to it, you'll get a, you'll get a quicker answer. And usually it's a better one because it's, it's instantaneous thought. Yummo. Yummo, yeah. And then, welcome to Opportunity Knox, the Yummo edition. Thanks, Arthur. I appreciate that. In closing, what can, what can we do to be of benefit to you? What can our audience do to be of benefit to you? I love stumping people with yeah. long, dramatic pause for editing. Well, the irony is the potential clients out there, or forget potential clients, just people going through a divorce, we've spent... Uh, whatever time we've spent on we are up at so an hour right now social media every client i would say shut it down no social media if you're going through a divorce it's it's probably a brilliant piece of advice and not just shut down your own like stop posting but stop watching as well oh right? i can't tell you how many times i've used social media posts for cross-examination <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We're going to bring Arthur back for another episode. I'm going to I'm going to script something and we're going to we're going to play a game that's going to make a lot of people laugh. I got to figure out how to do it in a way that's entertaining and not taking cheap shots at people. But I think we could all look at ourselves in the mirror whether we've been happily divorced, miserably divorced, never divorced, never married. There there's a drinking game to be made out of that. And and I think we're, we we could have some fun. We could have some fun with that. That sounds and like a lot is, of fun. There is an absolute shitload of content we can create by doing that, like literally sitting down and having conversations because it creates opportunities for people to think, connect, and engage. And I think that's what it's all about. So on that note, I'm going to thank you for giving me the opportunity to put a lot of thought into how I could be of benefit to other people, including yourself, how to engage with more people. I love the fact that I looked into the camera and asked some questions in the middle of an episode because I think it'll create some new opportunities for creativity for us. And I want to thank you as again. Arthur Edinger is a partner and chair of matrimonial and family law at Green Spoon Martyrs New York office. He's going to be a podcast superstar in the making. We're going to keep you up to date on when that book is done and published, and we'll be more than happy to promote the hell out of it for you because I'm sure it will be very entertaining reading uh, and informative as well. Um, Arthur, thank you so much for coming by and doing this. We appreciate it. As always, ladies and gentlemen, remember, opportunity knocks. It's If you're prepared to open that door and accept your fate, go out there and make something happen today and find a way to make somebody else smile. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great day.